Well, good morning, and it is truly an exciting day to be here at Foothills Church because um, I'm honored to be able to look uh, to this camera and actually say, and if you are watching today from Foothills, Bearden, welcome. How about that? Yeah. Foothills Bearden is having their soft launch today, and soft launch, that means this, that the, 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 the core team, the launch team has come together, and, and they are preparing, they're getting ready for next week. Next week is the official launch, Foothills Bearden, so today, they're, they're actually uh, together watching this from Foothills Bearden today, so we are so excited about that, and I want to let every person in this room, and if you're watching online, to know this. That's, if you know anyone in the Knoxville area, tell them next Sunday, be at Bearden Middle School for the launch. It's going to be absolutely incredible. So if you know someone, get on there. If you're watching from Knoxville, we would love for you to join us there next Sunday. So incredible, incredible, very exciting day today. Well, um, the year was 1981. 1981 was a very good year. Anyone remember that year? Anyone? Oh yeah, I see some nods. You don't want to admit your age. It's good. It's okay. The year was 1981. I was in the fifth grade at um, Cumming Elementary. Cumming was a small town for South County, North Georgia. I grew up there. Actually went to Ducktown Kindergarten before that. I know, awesome name. And then became a cougar at Cumming Elementary. And so First grade through fifth grade was there. Fifth grade was the top dog. You were the, you were the elite. You were the best of the best. You walked around acting like you owned the place, and we could do whatever we wanted, right? That's what we thought anyway. Well, there was one day, <clears throat> we were at the playground. It was the morning. We're coming back inside, and all of a sudden, um, our, the teacher, like typical, would say, hey, we're going to swing by. We're going to go to the restroom. We're going to, you know, just do what you need to do. We'll go to class. We'll get started. So some of us guys, we go into the bathroom. Well, there's another class in there. And while they're in there, we're noticing some activity taking place. So what they're doing is they're getting some toilet paper and they're shoving it in the sink. They're getting it very wet and they get it in their hand and they go on the ceiling. Anyone ever done that? Confession, good job. So we look and I'm like, what are you doing? And they, they got the toilet paper, they got it wet, on the ceiling and it would stay. And I'm like, cool. So what did I do? I went and got some toilet paper, put it in the sink, got it wet, wiped it up. Wow, cool. And we continued doing it over and over. We went and got some more, we're going all over the place. I mean, we're decorating the ceiling all over the bathroom. It was amazing. And, I, and we left thinking, this is so fun. I love this, this was great. We left, I, I uh, went to class, we're sitting in class, we go to lunch. After lunch, I remember hearing the rumors from people saying, okay, so the word is out that some guys were in the bathroom throwing toilet paper on the ceiling, they're in trouble, the principal is coming to get them. What? <laughs> I, I was just following, I was just, so I'm scared, man. I, my heart's racing. I don't know what's taking place right now. I'm so nervous. I'm thinking to myself, how do I get out of this? Can I, can I, can I do something? Can I somehow admit that, or say that I didn't do whatever? Because if the principal was coming to get you, um, this took place in 1981, so paddling was something that took place, whether you like it or not, it was a reality back then. So paddling happened in school, and the principal's paddle was legendary. 
because everyone talked about it like you do not want the principle to paddle you because some people said that it had holes in it to make it more aerodynamic. Some people said it was electric. People were saying it had tax in it. I mean, who knows? I'm like, there's no way that all this is real. But man, as a fifth grader, you're just envisioning all this. And so I'm kind of freaking out. And so I never got, the principal never, never came to get us in the room, but we had to walk right past the principal's office to go to the right to go to lunch every day. So we would go past the principal's office. It was right over here. And, and, I, and every day I would just kind of like lean up against the wall and think that he can't see me. Like he's just gonna walk out and say, hey, Mr. Bennett, come see me for a moment. But, but he never did that, so I kept, every day I was scared to death, I would walk by, my heart just pounding, I'm gonna get caught, I'm gonna get caught, I'm gonna get caught, and it, we turn right, we go to lunch, and then we're walking past it again, I'm turning away. Each time I'm thinking, I'm gonna get caught, but I'm here to tell you, I was never called to the principal's office, so. But I have to say, I never did that on the ceiling again, because I was so nervous about getting caught, well, I can't say never, it was about, I think the next year, we did it a couple times. But uh, it took me a while to get back in the habit, you know, of getting that out of my head. But so as I was just a silly fifth grader, right, doing things that were, I knew that we weren't supposed to do that. I kind of knew the rules. I mean, I knew you're not supposed to do that, but in the moment it seemed fun. It seemed like something that was like, oh yeah, I could do that. That seems fun. I'm destroying property. It's no big deal, right? I mean, you know, how many of us have done things that we, that we have known was wrong, but we did it anyway? Like mom tells you growing up, don't eat the cookies that she just made, and you... She walks out of the kitchen and you're like, oh, they smell so good. You walk in the kitchen, you kind of like take one, shuffle them around so she'll never know. Little trick I learned. And so she never knows until you're eating one and she turns the corner and catches you and she's like, what are you, I just smelling them. And we, when we get caught, all of a sudden now there's guilt. Now all of a sudden there's like, oh, remorse. There's, oh, I don't wanna do this anymore. I don't need to do this anymore. I'm so sorry. And there's this confession, right? Well, today we're actually gonna take a look at a woman who was caught in the act of, of sin against God, a really, a pretty significant one. That she was, she, was, she was caught in the act and she was brought to Jesus, okay? So, so Jesus comes on the scene, we read throughout the gospels, Jesus comes on the scene and, and he is the one teaching about I am uh, God, I'm the son of God, I, I can heal, I, and all the miracles he's performing. He is teaching about the, the ways of the Father. You wanna know the ways of the Father? You look at me. So Jesus is teaching this and, and there's a group that is coming along also called the Pharisees. Okay, the Pharisees had, had been apart for, for years and years and years. They were the ones who understood the law. They understood the Old Testament. They understood that what was given to them to, to say, this is God, what God desires for each and every one of us. And this is what he has planned for us. And so they're handling that. And then there's Jesus. And they, they have, Pharisees and Jesus have this conflict. And this woman in a story is caught in the middle of this. And this is what begins to take place. Early in the morning, he, Jesus, came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. 
So, so picture this for just a moment. They come to the temple. People such as yourself are gathering around Jesus. Jesus is teaching. They're listening. The Pharisees can't stand it because what Jesus is teaching is is contradictory to what they're teaching. He's teaching things that's saying, hey, I want you to understand more of what God truly, his character and his heart and who he is and who I am and I'm the savior that has come, right? So, so he's helping people to understand this along the way and the Pharisees are pushing against it saying, no, no, no. So all the people came to Jesus and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and Placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. So they bring this woman, and, and I mean, in that moment, I mean, who knows if she even was clothed? I mean, she was, she was probably you know, ragged, and she's just you know, hair and everything, and she, who knows, she might have been beaten, and who knows at that moment what had taken place. She had been caught in the act, and they brought her to Jesus because this was huge. The act of adultery was really big. In fact, if you, if you study the, the laws at all, over 600 of them, the, the big 10, the 10 commandments that, we know, that many of us know, right? So it speaks of this, do not commit adultery. Adultery was a very significant sin. But see, the problem with the Pharisees bringing this woman was they were not concerned with, with her finding, experiencing life in Jesus, they were not concerned with and considerate of the fact that, wow, if she could repent from this and turn from this, God can forgive her and restore her. No, in fact, in this moment, they were not concerned with repentance at all. They were not concerned with her saying, I am so wrong, I was caught in this act, I am so wrong. I mean, mom, I ate the cookie, I shouldn't have eaten the cookie, will you forgive me? I truly am sorry, yes, but don't do it again. I'll never do that again because I don't wanna hurt you. They were not concerned with repentance, they were not concerned with her life getting right, they were not concerned with that. They were focused on being right. They, they, they solely were focused on being right because they saw Jesus as a threat. And they saw Jesus and they thought, we have to find a way to trick him. We, we have to find a way to catch him. We have to find a way to discredit him so people will stop listening to him. And so, what did they do next? Now, this is what they say. In the law, Moses... The Mosaic Law, if you study the Old Testament, give you a little history on that. The Mosaic Law was given at, you know, by, by God. He wrote on the tablets. He gave it, and then he gave the, the Law of Moses. So the Law of Moses, who the Israelites were following, the Jewish people were following, and they, they were abiding by this. Now, in the Law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? So they turned it on Jesus. In that moment, they said this. So the law says we're supposed to bring her out and stone her. What do you say, Jesus? I mean, they've got stones in hand, ready to go. All right, Jesus, big question for you. Oh, speaker of understanding all things about God and the Father and who he is and, and grace and people drawn to you and you're giving mercy amongst uh, so many that are out there. This is what the law says. What do we do? So, and here's what's interesting. This was not a question like um, the disciples would be asking, Jesus, teach us more about this. And he would stop and he would teach them. 
It's not the same as you and I who have questions about God and, and about what the Bible says and about Jesus and, and a relationship. I've got legitimate questions. I have a question and I want to seek an answer to it. No, this question was more pointed at Jesus to try to catch him. Catch him in the act. Put him in a, put him in a situation that he can't get out of. Because no matter how he answers this, he's caught. Because here's the truth. If he commanded them to stone her, he would be breaking Roman law. Because see, um, the Jewish people during this time, they were um, under the Roman rule, okay? The Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire um, stated that you could not commit or, or kill someone, that you could not execute them because even if it were to be the law of Moses, the Jewish law, they, they said that you could not do that. So Roman law stated you cannot kill her. So if Jesus said yes, based on what Mosaic law says, we need to kill her, they'd be breaking Roman law. They could actually have him arrested. They could take him to court. They could, they could go to the, the authorities and say, look what he's told us to do, and he could, could be arrested. So he would be breaking the Roman law. But if he let her go, he would neglect the Mosaic law, the law that the people said, we have to hold to this. This is the law that God has given us. This is the law which shows God's holiness and purity. This is the law that states that no matter whether we like it or not, that God has said, if you do, then this is the repercussion. This is what happens. And in this case, if you commit this sin, you die. You're stoned to death. That's what that law stated. So if he commanded them to stone her, he'd be breaking the Roman law. But if he let her go, he would neglect the Mosaic law. So, the, so they bring her to Jesus and, and they're stating basically, hey, we've got you caught. So what are you gonna do? And we know that they were there to actually test him because we see it right here. This they said to test him. Told you. That they might have some charge to bring against him. So Jesus responds like most of us would. He got mad and yelled at them. Jesus all of a sudden re-retaliated and he came back at them and said, well, let me tell you exactly what it is. They got into an argument face to face and all of a sudden he started tweeting about it. No. Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground. He wrote something life-changing. He wrote something that was so impactful Do you know what it is? I have no idea. I have no idea. None of us know. Nobody knows what he wrote. But he bent down, he took this action to stop in the middle and to ride in the sand. We don't know. Speculation has been, been, been abound for years about what this could have been. Maybe he was writing the sins of the Pharisees down and he's going, um, maybe I want you to see what your sins are. I mean, who knows? Um, maybe he's writing the, the girlfriends of the Pharisees. I don't know. Maybe that was the case. Maybe he just wanted them to see for a moment that the hand of God who wrote this law on the tablets to begin with, to give to Moses, God the Son is writing now in the sand with his finger as he begins to let them know, I have not come to abolish this law. I've come to fulfill it. This law has not changed. But Jesus says death payment is due 
but that death payment will be on him. Or maybe he's just going, I can't look you in the eyes anymore because I know your self-righteousness, I know your piety, I know you're putting yourself above everyone, I know you're trying to catch me. I just wanna distract you for a moment. We don't know why, but he bends and writes in the sand. But they will not let it go. They're not gonna let him get away with this. All of a sudden, he bends and writes in the sand, and they're looking at Jesus going, okay, what's going on? What are you writing? And, and they, they respond in this way. And as they continue to ask him, they continue to, cut, to, to pry in and say, come on, what do you want us to do? What should we do? You have to answer this question because we need to know what we need to do here. And as they continue to ask him, he stood up and said to them, okay, got your rocks. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. So he responds and says this, okay, I understand this, this is true. This is what the law states, and you're absolutely right. That based on what the law states that she deserves death, but um, if you don't have any sin in your life, throw it. If you don't have any wrong, any fault, here. In fact, I'll give you two, take it. Throw it at her, sling it at her. If she deserves it, then if you don't have sin, then you have the right to be judged. And there was one person, only one person in this setting that was there at that time who was sinless, who had never committed a wrong and who truly, positionally, had the right to throw this and that was Jesus himself. Because he's saying her sin is what you have caught her in. What about yours? And isn't it so true when I read this, when I've read this passage and I've thought to myself, how many times I have thrown stones at people and I've looked and I've said, look at them, boom, thrown it at them. I've cast a rock at them. I've, I've looked at them and I wanted them to be caught. I wanted them to be, to be basically stated that, look, look, I'm exposing their sin amongst everyone to embarrass them. I want everybody to know about this and this is what I should do. And I've used whatever means necessary, calling them out in public, maybe writing about something in a social media post, whatever that could be. And I am looking, thinking, you know what? I'm gonna do all that I can and then I'm reminded that I have sin in my life. I, I don't have the right to judge. And Jesus is bringing this up right here. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. He paused for a moment to make this proclamation. What an incredible proclamation. What a statement to turn the tide toward them and say, okay, you're right. You're right. She deserves death. But what we discover what Jesus did right here in a face-to-face -face encounter, Jesus perfectly exemplifies the demands of justice. Yes, justice that, that deserves, that what she deserves, what you and I deserve because of our sin. I don't wanna, I don't wanna like, you know, you look at it and say, well, how could a God allow? No, it's because of our sin that we have separated and that we have earned death. For the wages of sin is death. The wage means you and I have earned it. God did not give it to us. You and I have deserved it. This woman deserved it. Just being completely honest about what the scripture tells us, you may not like it, it doesn't matter because it's true. The truth that, that he's proclaiming is this. Justice needs to be handled, taken care of. The demands of justice but mercy that only he can provide. You see, it was grace and truth in a moment that intersected. They didn't conflict. 
We think somehow they have to be at odds with one another. They cannot be grace and truth together. Truth needs to be with a firm hand. And grace and truth, how can they come together? Jesus in this moment reveals what mercy and justice looks like together. So, what did the Pharisees do? They hear this. Jesus looks to them and says, okay, if you don't have sin, throw it. So this is how they responded. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. Not really sure about that. We don't know why the older ones took off. Maybe it's the younger ones are just like too dumb to know what do I do. I should go, but I'm following your lead. Finally, the older ones go. They take off. But for whatever reason, they have their stones. They're ready to throw them. They hear this and they realize, yeah, um, that's not me. I'm out. And they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Must be still kneeling because it says, Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? So so Jesus looks at her with, with a question that's so profound that I would love to ask each and every one of us with our sin that we bring to to Jesus, that that we feel that we are condemned by others, that we feel that we are condemned by ourselves, that we feel suppressed and pressed down because of our sin and we feel like there's nothing I can do, there's nothing I can do and only through Jesus and understanding his grace and mercy can we experience this forgiveness. He is the only one in the moment that can basically say, I, you know, you deserve the death but soon I will be taking this. I will be the one who will die. I will be the one who will give myself. I will freely allow myself to be put on a cross and I will die for your sins. I will be the one that will accept this punishment. I will be the one who will bleed. I will be the one who will, you, I will be unrecognizable as a human. I will go through all of this. I will defeat death after three days so that you can experience life and grace and mercy. He wasn't covering up the sin. He wasn't just saying the sin is insignificant. In fact, he hated every moment of it. God despises sin. It, he hates how it hurts us. He hates how every sin that we commit hurts us, hurts others, hurts him. That he, he realized that in the moment you feel it's fun. Just like man throwing it up against the roof, eating the cookie feels like fun. But in that moment, there's something you've taken from someone else. There's something in that sin that you have harmed for yourself or your future. There's something that you have done along the way that has said, God, I have separated my relationship with you because of my action. I've hurt others, I've hurt myself, and you hate every moment of it. But Jesus is saying right here, hey, where are they? And this was not a question to be answered, but a moment to reflect. This was not a a question to be answered. He wasn't asking her, hey, where'd they go? You read read in Genesis where this this question takes me back to Genesis where Adam and Eve sin. And when they sin, when they eat of the fruit that God said don't eat of, and they eat of that fruit and they realize that we we don't have clothes on, we have done wrong, and they go and they hide. God is walking through the garden. It says, he asked the question, where are you? He's not really asking, hey, where are you? Holly, Holly, Oxfree. He's not trying to see if they can all of a sudden pop out and go, oh, there you are. He knows where they are. He knows what's going on. It's a moment for them for him to say, hey, where are you? Do you realize what just happened? Jesus is asking her to reflect and to say, where are they? Where are they? And as she looks up, Probably her head was held below, waiting for the moment. She's looking at the ground. 
Jesus has this interaction and he reminds her, he goes, hey, hey, lift your head. Lift your head. Lift your eyes. Where are they? This is how she responded. She said, no one, Lord. I can imagine for a moment her voice quivering. Her voice just scared to death. She thinks she's about to die. She thinks she's about to be stoned to death, being caught in her sin and being brought out. And she says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. In a moment of forgiveness, in a moment of grace and mercy that Jesus bestows on her, now as she leaves, how can she do anything but in a realization of in in her filth, in her sin, her depravity, everything that has happened in her life that has caused her to pursue her own way and there's guilt and there's shame all continuing to, 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 to wash over her and to become a part of who she is and she's just like, I don't even know, how do I, what do I do? I don't even know and she's brought and she probably is thinking, I deserve it. I actually deserve for her to be stoned right now. I deserve to die and Jesus tells her, go and sin no more. I do not condemn you. I can't see her going and falling into that same sin anymore because she has truly experienced repentance and grace and truth. And what the Pharisees desired to see happen, their public display of a woman caught in sin set the stage for a public display of a woman freed by grace. They desired for her to, public display of her being caught in her sin. Wow, don't we love to catch people in their sin? Don't we love to call people out? Don't we love to just look and just say, you know what, I absolutely, I, I, uh, I feel like I can be judge, jury, and executioner for you because that is who I am. I am a Christian, I am a righteous one, I am the one that, that, that's supposed to let you know you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and I'm gonna let everybody know this. But in that moment, the, their public display of a woman caught in sin set the stage They had no idea this was what was gonna happen. But Jesus flipped the script and it set the stage for a public display of a woman freed by grace. They had no desire to bring her to Jesus and say, Jesus, she's being caught in sin. She's pursuing this relationship that's not right. We know that you can forgive. We, we want her to meet you because we feel like when she meets you, she's gonna, she's gonna see who you are and know who you are because they didn't believe that. But see, we believe that. As Christians, we should believe that. We should be, be the ones who believe and know that, that, that I, my, in myself, righteousness, it's not my myself, it's only his righteousness that I can actually be called righteous. And so because of that, as I discover what's going on in people's lives and people who do, do, not, do not know him and are caught in their sin, that it is my role to bring them to Jesus. But as I bring them to Jesus, it's with the intent of saying, I just want you to meet him because I truly believe when you meet him, you will not pursue that anymore. It's not a matter of bringing and saying, look, we caught her. Are you approving us for the stone right now? Because we're, gonna, we're ready to throw some rocks. Are you ready? Everybody get your rocks in your hand. We're ready to go. I truly believe that when we bring people to, bring people to Jesus and they, they meet him and, and they experience him face to face, it will change them. There's a, uh, um, it's interesting that this whole interaction with the Pharisees prior to this time we read earlier in John where Jesus has an interaction with Nicodemus. 
Nicodemus was a Pharisee, actually very high up, really high up in the Pharisees, but he came to meet Jesus at night in secret. Didn't want anyone to know about it. Some of us, we wanna be secretive about our whole, I'm gonna find out a little bit about Jesus, and you're kinda here, and you're like, I haven't told my family I'm coming to church yet, but it's okay, you're good, you're here. So he comes at night, he wants to meet up. So he's asking Jesus questions. He's, he's wanting to know more, and Jesus tells him, in fact, this is where we find John three sixteen. In fact, many of you know it, and I'm gonna get you to help me say it. For God so loved pretty good. Heard some King James, heard some NIV. It's all good. (laughs) But the truth behind that, that that Jesus came, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. But ironically enough, the same Pharisee that he's speaking with and he's sharing with him about what this is all about, that that this, in this interaction with this woman happens, he he lets him know in the verse that follows right here. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through right actions. Nope, to save the world through our tweets. No, to save the world through our self-righteous behavior. No, to save the world through him, through Christ only through him. So, so in that moment where Jesus is interacting with this woman, where Jesus has this final interaction with her, I, it's life-changing for her. And I truly think that, that, that we discover as we read this, man, there's so many characters that maybe you and I can identify with. As I was studying this, I'm looking, I'm going, oh wow, I see myself in that. Wow, I can be self-righteous sometimes and and sometimes it's, it's significant when, when you're face-to-face with, with, with Jesus, when we're reading his word, when we are face-to-face in that interaction with him and what we can face in our lives. Wow, so maybe some of these characters you can personally relate with or some of these, these people that we find in the story. First of all, the crowd. The, the, the forgotten group that happens from the very beginning. Jesus comes to teach the crowd. The masses come to him. They come to listen like many of us in this room. You have come here today. You wanted to hear. You're watching online. And, and, and you, you desire to hear truth. You desire to say, you know what? I wanna find out what God has for me today. And so, so us as the crowd, we, 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 we love hearing. We love discovering. We love finding out more. And all of a sudden we take our notes and we, we have our little journals and we read. And, but then in that moment, it got messy, Right? In that moment, all of a sudden, Jesus is teaching, and they're going, oh, I love hearing you teach, Jesus. This is great. Pharisees show up, and you get a little nervous. And then all of a sudden, they're bringing a woman caught in adultery. You're like, I don't want to be around her because that stuff may rub off on me. And all of a sudden, the crowd starts getting a little, little anxious, going, I don't know what to do. Some of them might have departed, going, I don't want anything. I don't want any conflict. I don't want to, be, I don't want to be around this at all. This is too weird for me. I'm out. It, felt, it was all nice and great, Jesus, when you're telling us nice flowery stuff about, about God and heaven and all, but I'm out when it comes to this. But there was a moment where Jesus needed to have this interaction with the Pharisees to let them know that, mm, yeah, where, what you're bringing her for, what you're bringing her to me for, we need to address this. And to look to her and to say, I want you to know truly who I am. I am the one who can forgive. So as the crowd, the question for you is, are, are you willing to engage? 
Are you willing to not just be, be one who, who comes and listens and wants to learn and you sit here on Sunday morning, it's so easy to just be like, oh, this is so great. I love kind of being a part of Foothills Church. My small group is great. I have a great, great leader in there. We learn so much. But when it comes to the messiness of getting involved in our world and being there, I mean, what if that crowd following what Jesus did went to her and wrapped their arms around her and said, welcome? Imagine the impact that would have made. She wasn't alone anymore. And they said, we've been listening to him. Now, welcome, we're so glad you're here. Or maybe you see yourself, the scribes and Pharisees. I know this is the group that everybody's like, that's not me. I'm not the Pharisee, I'm not a, I'm not a self-righteous person. But we find ourselves picking up rocks a lot, talking about people behind their, oh, if you knew about them, did you hear about? They must not love Jesus if posting about things, calling people out. We feel like our job is to just point people to, to their sin and we're trying to expose them and our goal in life is to expose their wrong, expose their sin without actually pointing them to Jesus. The interesting thing for me is that, that immediately after this passage that Jesus is talking about, he speaks about being the light, he's the light of the world and he speaks to you and I, as follow, his followers, that you are the light of the world. He calls himself the light and he speaks to us and you are the light of the world as well. But here's the problem with many of us. We're so concerned with being a flashlight in, a dark, in their darkness and shining it on them so that people can be caught, right? You ever played, you ever played like hide and go seek and somebody's got a flashlight and you're trying to hide and they, expo- they shine a light on you? Oh, you caught me. Instead of taking that light and shining on the way out, illuminating Jesus, pointing the light to him versus just to them be like, I I see you. Now, let me help you get out. Let me help you take the steps necessary and I'm gonna help you because he has shown me the way out. He's shown me what life is and I want you to know this. Come on, let's go. But oftentimes, we end up having holy arrogance about us. The Pharisees had a holy arrogance about them. And isn't it ironic that sinners were drawn to Jesus? Why? He, it's not because he ignored their sin. In fact, he called it out in many ways, but he, he had this understanding of grace and truth. God doesn't want you to pursue this because he wants you to pursue this. You follow me, I will show you what real life is about. And they were drawn to that. But the Pharisees continually, continually were saying, law, us, higher than, you are less than, and it was a positional thing, and Jesus came and changed that because he helped them to begin to understand the heart of the Father. So maybe if you're a scribe or Pharisee, maybe, maybe you need to just take this and set it down and just be proactively saying, I'm not gonna do that anymore. It's not that we ignore our other sin. We have to call it out. We have to understand it. I mean, when people, somebody sees something wrong in my life, I want them speaking to me. I want them sharing that with me. But I want them pointing me to Jesus and being like, come on, together, only through Christ can you experience forgiveness and experience life. Because it's not through me. It's not through your actions. It's only through his grace. Or maybe the person that you might associate yourself with where you currently are is the man. I know some guys in here are going, well, I already knew I was a man. Not talking about that. Talking about the, the man being the other person that this woman was caught with. We don't read about him. 
The Pharisees never bring him. The Pharisees never mention him. In fact, the way what the Old Testament actually law says is that both parties should be brought so that the two should be brought, right? So the other man is the one who was not caught, who was not recognized, who was not brought before Jesus, who was not brought standing before them with stones ready to go. And he was the man that was like, whoo, I got away. Well, maybe your sin is, is hidden. It's not been exposed. You, no one knows about it. Maybe it's something you just kind of like want to suppress. Maybe it's something suppressed inside that you're going, I, I want everybody, I want to put this great impression on them, fine, but wow, I've got internal struggles and anger issues that just lashes out at people. Maybe it's some kind of a sexual sin. Maybe it's a relational sin. Maybe it's a pride thing that you just continue to elevate. Maybe it's just dishonesty and in your business, you're, you're, you keep you know, doing things that say it's unethical. I know, I know, I know, and I don't want people to know about this, but this is the only way I can make our bottom line at the end of this month, and I have to do things. And you know things that are taking place in your life are wrong, but wow, you haven't been caught yet I promise you you'll be caught in this life or the one to come it will be exposed address it deal with it the woman who came experienced grace the man who who was not there who might have suppressed it we don't know his story but he might have thought I didn't get caught guess what he probably was pursuing another relationship bring those things to light bring those things out front and say God I need to I need to I need you to heal me from this I need you to forgive me for this because this is something I'm pursuing. Before you, you do get caught, before you are brought in front of others, because then the pain is so much harder. So maybe as the man, you see that and you think, wow, I, 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 there are areas in my life I need, to, I, need, I need to address this. And finally, maybe the woman is who you relate with in this. Haven't been caught in that situation. Maybe you haven't been in a situation where you're going, yeah, I, uh, I've been, in, I've been there, I was caught in this. And, I mean, who knows what it might be in your life, but there's something in your life that you know you just need to be forgiven for. Something in your life that, that, that you're thinking, this happened in my life and maybe some, I was exposed. Maybe, maybe it's something you, you've realized in, the, in your past that maybe you, thought, you, you brought it to Jesus and you asked for forgiveness, but you can't forgive yourself. There's something that you keep realizing, maybe it's yourself that continually is throwing the rock at yourself. Maybe it's, it's that you are, you just need to put the rock down and say, I'm tired of this sin that has, that has caused this chasm between you, between us. God, I'm so, so tired of it. Yes, I'm fun for a while and I'm engaging in this, but I realize it's hurt me, it's hurt others, it's hurt you. It's brought destruction. And, 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 I, and I now wanna confess this and I want to ask you your forgiveness. But through that, a realization that to be able to forgive yourself, to let it go in his arms. Maybe there's a season you're in right now or in the future where the enemy just keeps whispering in your ear. Remember that? Yeah, you think you're all good with Jesus now, but don't you remember doing that? I'm sure this woman's gonna deal with that. I'm sure this woman, there'll be a time years down the line where all of a sudden it's gonna be brought up again. Remember you were embarrassed and brought in front of people? Remember that? And I know Jesus would say, but yeah, but don't you remember that moment that I forgave you? And I sent you on and said, just go. Sin no more. Maybe that's you. Well, today I, I, I'm gonna give a moment, uh, um, just of quiet prayer and reflection for you. Maybe it's something you've realized coming through this today. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's that you've realized in the story you've, you've identified. You said, oh, 
God, I need to bring this to you. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to, I need to seek you. I need to, to, I'm tired of being self-righteous. I'm tired of being the one. I, I wanna be the one that points people to Jesus and I wanna do it in a way that is, is, is like you because to, to be a disciple means we, we learn from Jesus to live like Jesus and we're learning from Jesus in this moment to live like him. So why can't we live this way? And, and maybe in a moment, I'll give an opportunity for you to trust Jesus. Maybe today you heard for the first time that you've got a past, you have baggage that's come along the way. There's never been a moment for you that you can say, I've come face to face with Jesus like this woman who was face to face with death. And when she came face to face with Jesus, now she's seen life. Wow, you can have that today. So let's pray together. I'm gonna give you a moment just between you and the Lord, just, just to talk to him, converse with him, pray to him, ask for forgiveness. And then I'll wrap this up. Let's pray together. Maybe this morning you would love to give your life to Jesus. The woman might be you. The crowd just listening might be you. The, the man might, might be you. And you come to a realization today that, that your sin needs to be confessed and repented of because that's really all that we hope for for you is that you'll turn from that, turn from your ways and pursue his. And so today, through realization of who he is, just these words are not magical, but it's, it's, a, it's a way for you to communicate, to say truly from your heart, your desire to follow him. Just say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know that my way is not your way. My way leads to destruction and death. Your way leads to life. Today I confess of my sin. I admit I was wrong. I repent of that and turn away from it and run to you. And I believe that Jesus died for my sin. I believe that three days later, Jesus, you were raised from the dead and today I give you my life. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior so that I can experience the life that you promised me to have in this life and forever. Father, I thank you so much for all of these that have, that today that have even prayed that. I pray you'll give them the confidence, the boldness to go and to speak with someone. I pray you'll give them the confidence to walk even into our care and prayer room or find someone after and say, can we talk for a minute? To be able to reach out online and say, I need, to, I need someone to help me take these next steps because we say you belong here and we believe it and we wanna help you take your next step. But we want each person that walks through these doors to experience your life that you promise us. Thank you for the story that we, can, that we can hear of someone who was face to face with Jesus and how it changed them. And as we look into it, how it changes us. 
because we discover more of your character and who you are and what your word tells us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for grace and for truth. We don't have to choose one or the other. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.